0: Peace to you. Welcome to the Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. We're going to pick up where we left off in the book of 2 Samuel, with chapter 5. If you'd like to read along with me, let's begin. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. So David is the same, David and Goliath. David, now he's the king of all the tribes of Israel. At this point in the narrative, his ops have been has been killed. Saul and his descendants have all been killed off, um, for the most part, the leadership has. And so now David has basically ascended to king over all the people, uh, the second king of the Israelite people so officially. Um and um and the people are declaring their loyalty to him, um, partly because it's the it's uh his own mostly his relatives in the area called Hebron. It's At first, he started out as king of just one tribe, the tribe of Judah, which includes Hebron. Um, But now that his enemies are dead, um, he also has ascended to be king of all the tribes. So um, they're letting him know they're loyal to him. Verse 2, also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel. And be, be and be ruler over Israel, so the people are aware of the prophecies of the dead prophet Samuel, um, the prophecy he gave when he was alive, and also apparently the prophecy he gave when he was contacted through a medium after he'd already died. Uh, we read about that previously. Um, that David was the one next in line to succeed as king over the, over the people. Um, the people are aware and they're um, apparently they're repeating that to David to let him know that um, they know he's the chosen one, basically. Verse, verse three, therefore, all the elders Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. So he's basically being inaugurated as king over the, all the people. Verse 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. So again, this is a retrospective letting us know, looking back on David's reign as king, uh, how it began and how long he lasted as king. Uh, Verse 5, in Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So um, again, he started out as king over just the one singular tribe that he's a relative to, uh, more closely related to in Judah. Then after all of the events we've read about so far now, he's become king over all the tribes. Verse uh, six, and the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, you shall not come in here. But the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. So Jerusalem, the same Jerusalem that exists now, used to be called Jebus, and the people were there who were there were called Jebusites. Once the Israelites uh, were freed from enslavement in Africa and did the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they reached the land of the, um, of the people, including the Philistines and the Jebusites and other nations that already lived in that area, and began to colonize it for the last few hundred years, as we've been reading. Um, so among those people, the Jebusites are um, haven't given up their land; they haven't lost it to uh, the Israelites who are there as colonizers, basically, to this point. And they're letting David know he may think that he's going to go ahead and conquer Jerusalem, but the um, people who live there, the disabled people, the poor and the um, lame, I'm sorry, the blind and the lame, um, will be enough to keep him back, will repel him. He won't want to be around them, basically. Um, That could be a statement of um, again um, that the people don't want to be around disabled people, just like in modern times, disabled people get discriminated against, so much so there had to be laws created to help Um, protect them from um, discrimination, but it could also be a statement um, that their religion also says things like uh, statements against disabled people. Um, We read about those previously also where different things like, um, and I'm paraphrasing this part, that people who are um, lame or deformed or um, have certain disabilities cannot enter the congregation. They're barred from being a part of the congregation, um, along with all sorts of other things that seem like they can't possibly be from God Almighty. But they're absolutely the same thing that religion does in modern times, creating dogma to um, create the other and keep people separated and divided and pointing the finger at other people in judgment. When uh, the same religion tells us, judge not, that you shall not be judged, at least one of the religions of the Bible the only religion, the only true, uh, what Christianity says. Um, And again, that lets us know that Christianity is not the entire Bible. The only things that are Christian in the Bible are the things that Christ says. And again, that's only a tithe of the whole Bible. Six of the 60 plus books in the old Bible, only those six have anything that Christ actually says or is at least attributed to be something Quoted of Christ. The rest of the Bible is lots of other different religions that again and again contradict each other or say things that are hateful and divisive or sexist or racist, or even um, whatever it would be called when you're in, against disabled people, including in what we just talked about about disabled people uh, or deformed people and um, not being allowed to be a part of the congregation of the Lord. Um, That also goes for other people also, Um, people who are of illegitimate birth, they're included in that, under that umbrella as people, of people who aren't allowed to be a part of the congregation of the Lord. Again, that doesn't sound like something God Almighty would say, uh, but it does absolutely sound like is, and is, something religion would say. Um, But that's just my opinion. Verse, um, um, it's my opinion based on what we've read. It's right there in black and white. Um. So anyway, the people aren't willing to have David go in and be their king. The people in Jerusalem, the Jebusites. Um, verse seven. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. So it's saying, even though the people of Jerusalem, as it's also called, the Jebusites, as it's as they're also called, the people in Jebus, even though they oppose David as their king, um, going in and conquering them. He still was able to go ahead and conquer them. And that same area is also known as Zion. The same Zion when people refer to Zionism in modern times. Uh, It's the idea that um, that area is uh, sort of like the property divinely. What is the word? It slips my mind. The same sort of logic that the colonizers of the Americas use, that they feel like God gave them the right to... um, own America to come in and conquer and take it, even though God actually says in what we've read in the Ten Commandments that are universal to the three major religions of the world, uh, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. And yet colonization in the Bible, what what we're reading about here, and in American history does all three of those things, and then a whole lot of other things that break those three of the Big Ten Commandments, coveting the land for yourself, stealing the land from the people who live there, and murdering and massacring the people who live there to take the land for yourself. Um, All those three things and so much more are included in colonization, at least in America, and also in what David and uh, the Israelites did in conquering, taking, colonizing the area we're, we're reading about now. Verse 8, now David said on the day, on that day, whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So again, more uh, discrimination against disabled people mentioned right here, though you won't hear many churches mention that in modern times, Bible thumpers, selectively ignore what they want to, and um, make up things that they want to, and get people to believe it. And Like I've said again and again, the truth is not as popular as the lie in so many instances. Uh, But we've just read what the truth is. It says right there, David hated the disabled, the lame and the blind in particular. Um, Why? It's unclear. could be, like I said, the religious dogma of saying that people who are lame and blind won't be allowed to be Part of the congregation of the Lord, or it could be some other reason. It's not real clear, but what is clear is that he does hate them. Um, and now he's making basically a pledge or uh, offering a reward to whoever will climb up and help defeat the Jebusites, the disabled people who live there. Um, verse 9, then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the Millow and inward. So after conquering the area, the city Jerusalem, um, he's begun to build in it. And Millow translates to the word the landfill. Um, what I you mean, know, what kind of construction that includes, I don't know. Um, but it's saying here that that's what's happened. David conquered the area and began his construction projects. Verse ten, so David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts, was with him. so um the narrator here is letting us know that David, after he conquered the area, was um, according to the narrator, the narrative being assisted by the God by God in his exploits, and here again, Lord is being translated from the name Jehovah. God, even though it's capitalized, it's being translated from the word Elohim, which is actually the same word that the word spirit in English is translated from also, just as a footnote. Um, And as always, if you want to look for yourself at the translations of these different words, you can um, use the same resource I'm using. That's blueletterbible.org. It has all those tools to help you Uh, If you want to get more into the different translations of what these English words uh, were originally. Uh, Verse 11, then Haram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons and they built David a house. So David is king now and he's finding allies who are um, basically sending him gifts, sending him things to help um, solidify his kingdom, including lumber for construction. Verse 12, so David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. So now David feels reassured that God is on his side basically by the fact that he's able to conquer those lands. The people are behind him and even foreigners of surrounding nations are sending him lumber to help establish The buildings of his kingdom. Verse 13, and David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he had come from Hebron. Also, more sons and daughters were born to David. So, there goes that whole Bible thumping theory that according to the Bible, um, marriage is supposed to be one man and one woman. Well, clearly it's not. David already had at least two wives before this point and side pieces. That's basically what a concubine is. now he's added more to them. And um, so clearly marriage is not just one man and one woman. That's just something religion will create, has created as a way to herd people into believing something that's not at all true. Not true according to the Bible anyway, but people will still hold on to it and cling to it as if it is the God's honest truth where that truth is very shifty. It changes from sometimes from, Book to book, chapter to chapter, sometimes from verse to verse. So that's what we do on the Naked Truth to see what the actual truth is of what the Bible says. And like we've read again and again, what people tell you is the truth according to the Bible is many, many times not the truth at all. So anyway, David's got lots of wives and lots of side pieces and baby mamas, basically. And that's not even include the um. Prostitutes and um men that David or at least one male Jonathan that David was also it seems involved with or at the very least in love with according to what we've read. Verse fourteen. Now these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon. So I'm guessing that the baby mamas helped influence why the some of these names sound super exotic. Some of them kind of sound kind of run of the mill, mill like Nathan doesn't really go along with Shamu and Shobab, but or Solomon even, but it's how I read. So we're just reading them. Um, I'm just gonna keep reading the next two verses because it's just more of the kids that were born to him from these different women that he'd taken as wives and other wives Verse six, uh, fifteen, Har Elishua Nepheg Japhia. Verse sixteen, Elishama. Iliada and Eliphalet. So, uh, lots of different kids born to him from those many different women. Um, and I'm guessing those are all sons. Um, yeah, they're probably all sons because generally the Bible, like we've read again and again, is a patriarchal document where only the men are worth mentioning, unless something happens with the women that's noteworthy. Um, They could have lots and lots of daughters, but they seldom get named. The men get named specifically. Um, So and those names are so time and everything else and cultures change. So I couldn't even say that all those names are males and or females are not. But we do know they're his kids. Um, Verse 17. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. So the Philistines, again, are some of the ones who allowed David asylum when he was on the run from his own people who were hunting him. When Saul and his army were hunting David and his men, the Philistines were the ones who gave him asylum, gave him a city to live in, and um, set him up with provisions. And the whole time, well, not the whole time, but while he was set up there with them um, and the good they did for him, he was at the same time raiding the different areas that were um, around them and lying to them about the areas he was raiding, robbing, pillaging, and plundering. Um, so it lets you know the kind of character that David has. Not a very good one according to what we're reading, but he is still who's been elected king of the people at this point. And the Philistines have heard now that David has risen in power and he's the king over all the people. Um, so now let's see how they're um, reunion goes. Verse 18, the Philistines also went up and deployed themselves in the Valley of Rephaim. So it's saying, by saying deploy themselves, it sounds like they're preparing for war. It's not like they're going up to meet David and say, hey, look at you. You've come a long way. No, it looks like they're going up to battle against him, just like they went up against Saul when he was the king over the Israelites. Um, in the Valley of Rephaim. Rephaim translates to, for recall right, giants. So let lets us know there's a whole area where giants dwelt. Verse 19, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So like we've read before, um, David having this communication, conversation, it seems, with God, I'm gonna, or the Lord will say, I'm just going to say God or the Lord interchangeably because that's what the implication is. But I don't believe at all, like I've said before, that this is God Almighty. Don't believe that because another part of the Bible that we Christians um, should be embracing, the Gospels, say that no one has heard God's voice or seen God's form at any time. I'm paraphrasing that, but again, you can read that for yourself in the book of John, among other places, the very first chapter, around verse 30. Uh, contradicts what we just read there so again who's being identified as the Lord is Jehovah now whether at this point in the in the in the story but um it seems unlikely that at, at the very least it is inconsistent that uh the Lord is having these conversations with David and then in the New Testament we hear that no one has heard God's voice or seen God's form at any time but as always leave what you want just reading it to you Verse, reading it with you, verse 20. So David went to Baal-perazim and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place, Baal-perazim. So um, Baal translates to the word master or from, um, from the, translates to the English word ma- master. So that when we see like Baal's above, um, it means Master. And then the above is an area, so of that area is above. So, um, but then it also is, uh, refers to uh, demon spirits, uh, you know, in plain English. So, um, make sense of that how best you can. It's saying here though that the area David's calling that area, Perazim, because Perazim translates from the word breakthrough. The same way one of the forefathers' names was Perez because he broke through during the childbirth when his brother was being first uh, born first they were twins he broke through and came out first when the brother was already on his way out so they named him Perez meaning breakthrough also so um, David here is naming that area that after he defeated the Philistines in a defeat that uh, according to the narrative the Lord told him he would gain um, verse 21. And they left their images there and David and his men carried them away. So when it says those images, it's talking about what is also called idols, um, the religious articles of the area. It'd be like um, the Star of David for Jewish people or the cross for Christian people or the new moon for um, um, Islamic people, for Muslim people. It's the images. It's the things that represent their religion. Um, and instead of destroying them, like we've heard them being commanded to do previously, they've carried them away. Previously, when they do that, it's counted as sin, and the Lord will lash out against the people and sometimes massacre the people for doing that. I don't think that's how it's going to go this time, though. Let's read. Verse 22. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of refame. So Philistines aren't to be beaten that easily. They've Uh, set up again for another battle in that valley. Verse 23, therefore David inquired of the Lord and he said, you shall not go up, circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees." So now David is getting more instruction directly from the Lord. Um, I, I won't mention the contradiction to what we read in the New Testament since we've already said that again and again. But uh, it seems David is getting his instructions on how to attack this time. Verse 24. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to, to strike the camp of the Philistines. So now David is being instru- giving an instruction on how to proceed in the attack in the war and how to basically ambush and do a sneak attack on the philistines and that he would hear a sound presumably something supernatural happening a marching happening in the mulberry trees which by the way is one of my favorite scents of the smell of mulberries delicious fabulous um so anyway uh he's being told that's going to be one of his signals to watch for that listen for that sound of marching in on the tops of the mulberry trees um and that that would be what would signal his uh movement in the war verse 25 and david did so and the lord commanded as the lord commanded him and he drove back the philistines from Giba as far as gezer so uh david is being instructed in how to battle and being victorious in listening to the instructions over the philistines who he is battling um at least to this point and even driving them back from one area to another uh, that actually is the last verse in this chapter, though, so that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope you'll join me again, and I hope it's a blessing for you. I love you. Stay safe. I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.